The following program is a rebroadcast from the archives of Jim Nader's NPR syndicated series, Magnificent Obsession. Support for Magnificent Obsession, True Stories of Recovery from Alcohol and Drug Addiction, is provided by the LRC Group at RBC Wealth Management. The LRC Group provides comprehensive wealth management services and investment counseling. For more information, 800-879-3246. The LRC Group at RBC Wealth Management, member NYSE SIPC. Further support is provided by The Body Law Firm. The Body Law Firm provides comprehensive legal representation in the practice areas of commercial litigation, criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. For more information, 630-573-8585. Support for Magnificent Obsession is provided by C4, the Community Counseling Centers of Chicago. For more information, go to c4chicago.org. Welcome to Magnificent Obsession, true stories of recovery from alcohol and drug addiction told by those living the experience. Each week, Magnificent Obsession explores the world of the recovering alcoholic and drug addict. And although many of our guests make reference to or are members of support groups, Magnificent Obsession is not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous, Rational Recovery, or any public or private treatment center. And all participants have the option to remain anonymous. If you'd like more information, email us at nader, that's N-A-Y-D-E-R, nader at AOL.com. Now Magnificent Obsession, our program format is simple. All we ask is, what was your life like then, and what is it like today? My story begins with, uh, I was born in uh, January of uh, 13th, 1958. Um, I have seven brothers and sisters. Um, all of us uh, pretty much uh, had a problem with drugs and alcohol, um, and all of us now are all in recovery. Um, started when I was young, uh, my mom and dad had divorced. Uh, I was probably at the age of six years old when they separated. Both my mom and my dad were alcoholics. Um, I don't remember my dad, and I don't remember too much of my mom. Um, but I do know uh, that they were both alcoholic. Uh, my mom tried to take care of us uh, for as long as she could, um, but she um, just couldn't uh, with her disease of alcoholism. My mom ran away from us uh, pretty when I was about maybe uh, seven, six, six years old. Um, and dad was out of the picture and from what I remember that incident uh, we were very young and I don't remember who dropped us off but uh, we uh, came home and we walked into the house and I remember my brothers and my sisters um, all standing there crying and apparently I remember there was a note written in lipstick uh, on the mirror in my mother's room stating that she could no longer take care of us and 
she left uh, she left instructions for my older brother to call Catholic charities um, and then she left a number another number and that was to my dad well my brother chose to call my dad um, and um, my dad ended up coming the following day to the house and he tried to take care of us but again his alcoholism was in full swing uh, you know my 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 memories of my father are very vague as well um, there are little fragmentations of what I remember about him as well um, Dad, uh, I know, drank, I think it was Old Styles, um, which is actually the beer I loved, um, and he smoked. And he didn't take very good care of us. Uh, I remember being uh, a little boy and him writing a note and having me run to the tavern down the street and picking him up a six-pack of beer and two packs of cigarettes. Um, and here I am, a six-year-old little boy going into a tavern bringing home beer, and it was in the morning. I remember it being in the morning. Um, I don't know why I do, but I do. And the one thing I remember about my dad is uh, he, he was very, uh, always very, uh, he was a happy drunk. Um, and uh, and he, he was very gentle, but he couldn't take care of us. Apparently, the the neighbors and the school uh, all became concerned when we were wearing the same clothes or we weren't showing up for class or um, neighbors saw the house was in disarray. Um, and so somebody called somebody and it ended up that the state came in and took us out of the, out of the house. Um, after that, I lost contact with my dad. Um, we were t we were taken down to Catholic Charities, my brothers and sisters and I, and my two older brothers, Mike and Bill, ended up going to ne Boystown, Nebraska. Um, the rest of us ended up going to foster homes. Uh, I was eight years old when I uh, got to my first uh, foster home, and it was a temporary home. But I remember it uh, being uh, a very cold place. Uh, I was with my sis my two sisters, Colleen and Nancy, and I remember we were sitting in the kitchen in this house, looking through a glass door, watching this family that we were with celebrating their Christmas. And we were in the kitchen eating the leftovers from their dinner. And I being that young I didn't realize what was happening but I knew it was wrong you know uh, why was this family who looked so happy uh, in there and we were out in the other room so the feeling of alienation was really there for me at a very young age um, I, while living in this house uh, I they gave me an attic room which uh, overlooked the cemetery and I remember I was I was really scared to, to be alone in this room and they wouldn't let me have a light and I remember you just looking out that window and seeing that cemetery and it was the first time that I asked God to 
why this happened? Why why was I why was I why was I being tortured like this? This is my house. This is where I happened after that but I think maybe a couple of months later we were finally taken out of there um, again it was a temporary home and uh, we ended up me and my sister Nancy ended up going into a foster home and this was to become my foster home till I was 19 uh, when me and my sister Nancy got to this home um, they were Italian I should say he was Italian, my foster father was Italian, my mom was Irish, my foster mother was Irish, and our first night there was uh, one for the record books. Uh, my foster father that night took my foster mother, put her in the corner of a room and, and, and proceeded to beat the hell out of her. Um, she, there was blood coming from her nose and her eyes. and. Me and my sister were just holding on to one another, crying our eyes out, not real, not understanding what was happening. Um, so, I, again, my my vision of this world was cruel. It was it was ugly. People were ugly. Um, people were mean. Uh, people scared me. I didn't trust anybody, and I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. Um, a few months later, my sister was taken out of the home and they left me there. For God knows why, I, I have no idea to this day why cafeterias took her and they left me there. However, um, I stayed there and my foster father was a very, very uh, miserable, mean uh, man. That's all I can say. Um, 
he was abusive not only to her, but he was abusive to me. I remember going to a wake. It was the first time I had been to a wake. And uh, I'm here, I'm at this home now about a year, and it was the first time I'd ever seen anybody dead and in a coffin, and it, it really affected me. And And I remember coming home that night and being so scared. Um, I guess I, I, I didn't want to get out of bed, so I wet the bed. Well, I knew his anger, and I knew he, what he would do if he found it. So I tried, hide, I tried hiding it, but apparently he found it. And when he found it, he came after me. And when he came after me, um, he threw me down a flight of stairs. Um, I slammed into the wall, and he came down the stairs, picked me up, took me back upstairs into the bathroom, put me into the shower, and started regulating the water from hot to cold. And he did this for about 10 minutes. Um, being scared to death, he finally got done doing that. And then he made me go into the basement of the house and he made me stay there for two days without food. Um, my foster mother, uh, she would, try, she would uh, get me food and slip it to me without him knowing. But his, his demands were that I didn't get fed. Um, she was she was definitely as scared of him too. Well, this is pretty much how that my my life went at this house. He never called me his son. He never called me Don. He always called me by my last name, Shannon. And he he often told me if you make anything of yourself, it'll be news to me. Um, <clears throat> as I got older, um, I I didn't trust didn't care for anybody. I, I, I learned to rely on myself. Um, Catholic Charities had failed me. People had failed me. Institutions like Catholic Charities failed me. Um, and, and so that self-reliance came in where nobody could help me. I had to, I had to make sure Don was okay. Um, living in that kind of a world is, is uh, very lonely and very painful. So when I got into uh, high school, um, it was it was my sophomore sophomore year that uh, I met some new friends, and those friends, of course, used. And when I had my first drink, I thought this was heaven because finally the fear and the anger and and the resentments all went away. It was like I was at peace. I had found this miracle liquid. And along with the liquid came the marijuana, and the marijuana made everything mellow, and it soothed my nerves, and, and my friends were my friends, you know, they, they actually cared about me, and we had some good times, and, and, and so my drinking and drugging progressed. Um, when I finished high school by the skin of my teeth, um, I was really heavy into the drugs and alcohol. Uh, it, it wasn't in, it wasn't until uh, April 28th, 1994, that I finally did get clean. I had realized through through the years of using that I was different from everybody else. Um, my friends, they would call it a night, and I would never call it a night. I wanted the party to go on forever, um, and I wanted to use forever. Uh, I didn't like being normal. I didn't like being sober. It was painful to be sober. I didn't want to deal with the feelings. 
And so alcohol became my friend and drugs became my friend. Um, in 92, um, I, I, met a, I met a woman named Christiana. And still into my addiction, um, I, when I met her, uh, I found her to be a very spiritual, um, loving, caring lady. And she, she invited me into her life. Um, and, and I stayed with Christiana. And she, in her own sweet way, would always try to, to ask me to get help. But never forced me. Um, and then finally one day, I did. I went in April of 28, 1994, I went to the South Suburban Council for a 28-day program. Um, I got out of there, and I remember um, a, a certain counselor saying, and he says, one of you in this room, and there was 42 of us in, uh, clients in this room, he says, one of you might make it. And it was at that point I said, I, I'm going to be that one. Well, I got out of the council, and for a year after getting out of there, I was, I was bound to this uh, club, the AA club that I went to. Um, I stuck around there day in and day out because uh, I was afraid of the outside world. I didn't know how to live out, out there in that world. It was still a mean and ugly place, um, and I didn't want to be out there. The only people I had found that, were, that uh, I could feel safe around uh, were the people in the program. After being, after staying in the club and, and kind of hiding out there for a year, um, uh, I, AA and, and the people in the program gave me the courage to step outside. And Christiana, of course, was always there in the background supporting me. She supported me uh, to the point of of helping me to get back into school. She believed, she told me, Don, you can do this. Now, mind you, I had my foster father in the back of my mind saying, you'll never make anything of yourself. And I believed that. And yet Christiana had enough faith in me um, to, to say that you are somebody, that you can be somebody. And I was learning this also through the program, uh, that God loved me, that my higher power wasn't was always there. It was it, he always cared. Um, I heard a beautiful saying once that uh, the many times I had cried, God was sitting next to me, crying along with me, and I carried that. Uh, anyway, I went back to school. I went to college, and I got an associate's degree in mental health and substance abuse. And I kept going back to the South Suburban Council where I had gotten clean to head up meetings. In 2000, me and Christiana decided to move, and we moved, we moved to Wisconsin. And while up in Wisconsin, I had a herniated disc in my back, and I had to have surgery. But before the surgery was scheduled, the doctor gave me Vicodin. Well, the Vicodin just, uh, I, I began to, I took it the way it was prescribed, and then I prescribed it myself, um, which was <laughs> which led me into back into my, my, my drug of choice, which was alcohol. Um, and I, and it was, and I, and I started my journey again, back and forth with putting it down. And I could never, I'd, I'd, I'd get six months, I'd get eight months, I'd get a year, but I always ended up relapsing. 
um, the obsession was always there. Uh, and it was because I wasn't working a good program. Um, I wasn't doing the things I needed to do. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't asking for help. I wasn't uh, working the steps. Um, I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't believe in a higher power. Um, I thought I could do it on my own, but I couldn't. In 2005, uh, Christiana had a massive stroke, and she died several days several days later, and that set me off the edge. Um, and when she died, um, she left $50,000, and I blew through that in two years. Uh, it, it was really bad. I had, was drinking. I was doing cocaine. I was doing Vicodins. I was, I was a regular garbage can. Um, I left Wisconsin because I knew if I, it was, if I had stayed there, I was going to die. Um, so in, two, in 2008 of July, I came back. And I went back to the council. I called a, I called there, and a former coworker of mine, a, a beautiful lady, got me in, into the back in there, and she arranged for me to come out here and be interviewed at the center, uh, which had a program called Pathway to Sobriety. Um, I remember walking down the hall at South Suburban and I had another option open to me too, another halfway house, and I wasn't sure which one to go to. And then the night before, um, I had gotten on my knees and I asked God for to help me make this decision. And so when I saw my coworker in the hall the following morning, she came up to me and she says, Don, did you decide? And I said, yes, I did. I said, I'm going to the center. And it wasn't even a thought. It was just it, that word just came out, I'm going to the center. And I knew that was the answer. Um, so I came to the center in July. I believe it was on the 22nd. And when I came upon the grounds, it was such a beautiful place. It was out here in the country in, a, in Palos Park. And it had a farm across the street. And on the other side was a lodge. And they had art cabins. And there was weddings going on. And there was different events. And there was kids at camp. And the, the farm had horses and cows and you, know, you name it, all kinds of animals. And, and there were... There were eight other guys here, and and they all looked so happy, and they all looked peaceful, and the people were were, were just so friendly. And I, I thought to myself, "Am I dreaming? Pinch me." Um, and then I met Mike Michael Wiggins, and um, and and one of another Pathway gentleman, a former a former uh, Pathway gentleman alumni, Mark, and they interviewed me. Michael asked me a question, am I teachable? And I told him, yes, I was. And I, and, and I told him that at this point I'd know nothing anymore. Mike, I, I, I may have been a former counselor, but, and, but I'd know nothing because obviously I, I, I can't keep sober. Um, you know, a couple of days in here, um, I, I don't know what happened, um, but all of a sudden it had dawned on me that I wasn't craving a drink. When I couldn't stay sober for a minute, all of a sudden I, I, was, I was sober and I was clean and I was smiling again and I was talking. Um, I had my downfalls. I had days where I'd had bad, bad days, but I never thought of using. Never once in my time being here have I ever thought of using. 
And um, through many different sessions with Mike and through many trials and tribulations, Michael um, had to push me through a lot of stuff, and he did. Um, but I began, I be, and, I, and my sponsor uh, uh, began a lot of, Michael and my sponsor began a lot of work with me. Um, and, and finally I came to a, a, a good place. And, and, uh, and I, my understanding of a higher power today is so much different than I had, if I had, any before. Um, and my higher power is stronger than this obsession. Uh, but... Like anything, it it's still there, and, and and if I don't if I don't take care of it, if I don't if I don't take the medicine that's necessary for me to ward this obsession off, it'll overcome me. It'll overtake me again, and I I don't want that to happen. Um, and but after that year, um, I finally got a job, and it was it was at the Guild House in Blue Island to uh, to work there as a counselor. And again, I, I stepped out of the way and I allowed my higher power to work, and, and God did he work. Um, and so I was, I was offered this position at, at, the, at the Guild House, and two of my former co-workers uh, from the South Suburban Council got me the job there. I've been working there up to this point, um, but Michael asked me if I wanted to work here. And... It was like a dream come true. Um, finally, I was offered a position, and, and uh, uh, after being after several other ca candidates, and 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 now my chance is coming um, to work here, and I am truly blessed today um, to uh, to work here at the center and be a part of this program, and to and to keep helping others who are equally addicted and have this disease of alcoholism and substance abuse. Um, it, the obsession um, comes in many forms. It talks to me, it talks to us in many ways. Um, it talks to me in many ways. It comes in the quiet times, it comes in the chaos. It comes, it comes just in any given moment in different, it hits you in different forms, in different shapes. Um, and and you need to be steadfast with your with your program, and you need to be steadfast with your higher power. Um, people hearing this might say that are new might say, "This is God." It sounds like it's torture. It's not. Today, it's a way of living for me. Um, I find peace and I find serenity with the contact with this program, with the contact of my higher power. Um, it, it helps me. It helps me to become the person I need to be and the, and the person that my higher power wants me to be. Today I am truly blessed and, and that magnific magnificent obsession um, that, that it is is no greater is not better or greater than my higher power. It has no substance. It, it, it has no bearing on me as long as I keep faithful. Um, thank you for letting me share my story with you. I hope it helps somebody. I have journeyed endless miles Seen many harbors Where I took rest a while on this boat called near and far
just give up what you are Only on the wind of hope my heart sank Brave in mystic oceans to Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Magnificent Obsession, True Stories of Recovery. For more information, you can email us at Nader, that's N-A-Y-D-E-R, Nader at AOL.com. This program is produced by Jim Nader with production assistance provided by Don Evans and Jerry Sheridan. Special thanks to Low Miles and WBEZ, Chicago. Rolling. One, two. This has been a production of Nader Communications. This program was a rebroadcast from the archives of Jim Nader's NPR syndicated series, Magnificent Obsession. Support for Magnificent Obsession, True Stories of Recovery from Alcohol and Drug Addiction, is provided by the LRC Group at RBC Wealth Management. The LRC Group provides comprehensive wealth management services and investment counseling. For more information, 800-879-3246. The LRC Group at RBC Wealth Management, member NYSE SIPC. Further support is provided by the Body Law Firm. The Body Law Firm provides comprehensive legal representation in the practice areas of commercial litigation, criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. For more information, 630-573-8585.